Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, around Australia, Johnny Stephenson, Cam Luke. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. And as always, Johnny Steph, we don't we love the best athletes in the country saying, yeah, we'll have a chat to you. And uh, the same thing's happened today. Tennille Craig's going to join us, who is one of the best athletes, heptathletes, and emerging athletes as we head towards some major championships, including Paris in 2024. Tennille, hello to you and welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Hey, hey Tennille. Hey, uh, we're just talking off air. You, 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 you train two-a-days and Johnny Steph shuddered at the thought of it. How do, you, how do you go get up morning doing your thing, bit of break in the day, and then going back into it? How's it all doing? Yeah, it's not looking too bad. I'm actually preparing to head overseas in two weeks. Um, I've got a competition in Austria called in Gotsis, and that's my first competition that I'm heading over to. And then followed by another heptathlon in three weeks after that in Radigan in Germany. That's fair. So you trained by Glenis Nunn, that's correct, yeah, Tanil? Yeah, that's correct. So we we chatted to Amelia Search last week, and so you guys are train, training partners, and she's creating a bit of a squad out there, Glenis. Yeah, yeah, we've got a massive um, multi-event squad at the moment with um, a few few girls and a few boys sort of emerging through as well. And yeah, Amelia is one of my training partners and it's, it's absolutely phenomenal watching her coming through the ranks as well. Just on, on obviously in multi-events, but is there a specific event that you enjoy more or is it one that you couldn't quite narrow it down and you, you realise you had skill at a number? How, how does it all work when you're trying to work? You're going through a little athletics, you're obviously extremely talented. How, does, how do you end up on a multi-event compared to just a specific individual event? Yeah, sure. So I actually, when I came through little athletics and into junior athletics to begin with I was actually a sprint hurdler um, and I sort of built my strengths in the hurdles and then it wasn't until early 20s I just like discovered the heptathlon and thought I'd give that a go considering I was really good at the, the sprints and the jumps as a junior um, so yeah I, I believe my hurdles and my long jump are my strongest events uh, I was going to ask that, on my throws, though. Yeah, I was going to ask which events you thought you were strong events and which events you feel you can gain extra points. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, my, my javelin is one of my weakest events. But unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, in most heptathletes, javelin isn't the strongest event for everybody. So, um, yeah, that's a bit fortunate for me. But, yeah, it's just working on my throwing um, technique at the moment and trying to build, like, a really strong base with that because I never grew up with the throws um, when I was a junior. Com Games last year, I just want to ask you about Birmingham because it was, it's, it's been a really weird time for everybody. But an athlete competing in certain events and, and sometimes having no crowd there is, is, is incredibly yeah. unique. But Birmingham, they, they came out, of course, on the back end of COVID and it was sold out. What was it like, one, Commonwealth Games and, and having a taste of a, of a major, major competition, but two, having the crowds there after what had been a little bit different in a, in a short time previous? Yeah, definitely. Look, going to the Commonwealth Games was absolutely phenomenal, um, especially after COVID and, yeah, all, all the crowds not being there at those major championships. So rocking up to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham was absolutely mind-blowing. As soon as I walked out onto the track for the hurdles, the crowd was just roaring. And honestly, you couldn't hear yourself really think um, because it was just so loud in that stadium. Um, but it sort of just gave you goosebumps. And, and it really sort of... 
um, got you going and got you excited to actually compete um, when you just had that crowd around you? So for the listeners that uh, that aren't uh, so knowledgeable around the heptathlon, these are the events that uh, Tanil has to do for two days. The 100-meter hurdles, the high jump, the shot put, the 200-meter sprint, the long jump, javelin throw, and the 800 meters. Tell us, Tanil, when you get to the 800 meters after two days and you don't have a crowd like Birmingham, how, how do you get through those two laps? Because I just did 800 once. We just talked about it earlier and I died. So uh, how do you get through that, Tanil? Yeah, um, I try not to think too much about the pain that is going to happen. Um, and how I try to think about it is, Look, the 800, you're going to experience some pain, let's be honest. It, it's one of those events where you, you might as well go hard and feel the pain and run a good time rather than run it a bit slower, run a, a bad time and still feel the pain. So I just try to go into it that I'm just going in there and just giving it everything that I've got. And I try to just think of it 200 metres each time rather than the whole two laps. Um, just breaking it down into those uh, 200 metres, what seconds I've got to run in those splits, and that's how I get through uh, <laughs> the, the I full two like laps. Your, I like your approach, Tanil. Tanil, you see you cut your teeth in little athletics. Um, I'm a very proud alumni of little athletics. Uh, what was your club, and, uh, and and tell us a little bit how you got involved in little A's and, uh, and uh, how it sort of shaped you now in your career? Absolutely. So I started at um, Jimboomba Little Athletics when I was in under eight. Um, and then progressed to being Lee Little Athletics um, when I was in the under-13s age group, only because at that time they were the only club in Queensland that did Friday nights because they had lights, and now every other club um, nowadays has lights and they, they um, compete on Friday nights. Um, and, yeah, that was sort of the starting point to my athletics career. I was doing um, horse riding, basketball, swimming, cross-country, all these other sort of sports at school and I never really um, met athletics until I started at Little Athletics and I just grew such a passion and love for the sport that it's pretty much what started my journey and how I um, developed as an athlete and where I am today. So it was either being a jockey or a heptathlete. Is that what you're telling us, Tanil, when you talk about what you were doing early? <laughs> you're talking yeah, Cam's yeah. language, Tanil. <laughs> you most certainly are. <laughs> he heard jockey and he just sprued up in his chair. He was like, why are you horse racing? <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit tall for, to be a jockey, I must admit. Um, I, don't, I don't think that career would have worked out for me, but I always get the, um, the funny jokes of, um, oh, should I be a, a modern pentathlete? Um, so yeah. of all the disciplines yeah. and that. So, uh, funnily enough, I, I do majority of those different events, so I'm sure that might be a career down the track, but uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Tanil, were you, were you considering retirement after Birmingham? Yeah, that was, um, so I actually retired in 2020 due to a number of different things. COVID was the most significant reason. Um, I had broken my big toe mm. and I had uh, surgeons and doctors say to me, um, running and jumping and doing what I do was near impossible um, without surgery. Um, and then plus my coach was very, very sick in, at the beginning of 2020 as well. So I didn't see really um, a purpose in athletics during that time. Um, and it wasn't until after, um, after COVID um, sort of was diminishing a little bit and, and events started popping up again 
Uh, my coach called me up and said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go for the Commonwealth Games or you can pretty much kiss it goodbye? And I decided to quit my full-time job at that time and get back into training because unfortunately you can't be half in, half out. You've got to be fully committed to it. And that's what I did. Um, and it was definitely the right decision to make. Well, it's the right decision uh, for everyone who loves athletics and seeing you compete at the highest level. And uh, we appreciate the fact that you've taken a little bit of time out to have a chat to us today. You've no, obviously got you. a big couple of months. And then, of course, we've got the Worlds and then into Olympic Games in 2024. We look forward to watching your journey as you head towards Paris in just yes, over 12 do. months' time. Uh, Tennille, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Superstar, Tennille Christ. There you go. To Adam Bishop, who's a man who's... Got a fair bit of toe himself, to be fair. He's the GM of Growth and Development, Athletics Australia. Very important job, and he joins us now. Adam, hello to you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, world or Kids Athletics Day right around the world, and you continually, through Athletics Australia, push the message. This is a great way for kids, the next generation stars, to get involved. Oh, absolutely, and there's some really important messages in, in Kids Athletics Day. So it's an uh, initiative uh, from World Athletics and something that we've jumped on here in Australia. And it's really a celebration of athletics around the world. Uh, and it's about getting kids moving. So we know that uh, less than one in five kids are getting enough physical activity each day. And I you know, uh, I heard Mario from Chemist Warehouse speaking uh, just earlier around uh, the benefits of uh, physical activity and, and athletics in particular as well. And so it's a, it's a really important message that we're putting out there. And, you know, there are many ways to get involved in athletics uh, right around the country. And, you know, you don't necessarily need an athletics track, but uh, we've got a whole range of initiatives uh, really throughout the month of May, even though the 7th uh, this Sunday is Kids Athletics Day. It's uh, really celebrated throughout the month of May. Just on that, and I look around the nation, Tasmania, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, Northern Territory, some of the, the major parts of Australia to be involved. And you mentioned you don't need an athletics track. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think an athletics track is involved in any of these uh, over the next couple of weeks. A lot of cross-country and, and being able to pound the pavement. Is there any that's actually in on a track? I'm sure there will be around the country at uh, some stage, but I think one of the great things about uh, kids athletics, so kids athletics is actually a product as well. And Mm -hmm. it's all around fundamental movement, uh, getting kids those basic skills that really set them up for an active life. And, uh, you know, this really is about getting kids uh, active from a young age, uh, making that habitual. uh, And it's something that, uh, you know, is important obviously for their physical, uh, mental health and wellbeing. So, you know, some of the events will happen around the athletics track, but uh, even if you can't get out to any of the events uh, that are happening around the country, you can also join along at home. So World Athletics has put together a toolkit of activities uh, and you can get active uh, in the comfort of your own home or your backyard, or you can even jump on some of our platforms like Wheatbix Active Bands, which is a virtual way of uh, getting involved through an app as well. So there's really, there's almost no excuse. So uh, we encourage as many kids and, and obviously parents to get involved as possible and uh, you know, be active uh, over the course of the weekend, but also throughout the month of May and into the future. And Adam, we talk about um, what World Athletics is doing over this weekend, but let's talk about what the great people at Athletics Australia, yourself and the team, Michael Angus, Sam Colbert, uh, Peter Bromley are doing uh, uh, sort of the pathway, how athletics looks. We see in Tokyo so much success for your Peter Bowles, your Cedric Dublers. Um, what do we, what does Athletics Australia have in store moving forward now and in, in, in really bringing the sport back to where it used to be back in uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the success of the Olympic Games in Tokyo and the Paralympic Games has really 
uh, kind of raise the profile of athletics again in in the country. But uh, you know, there's a whole range of programs and initiatives that uh, happen day to day that perhaps don't get the attention. So, you know, kids athletics as a program we deliver through uh, the federal government's uh, sporting schools program. Uh, that program reaches 110,000 kids a year uh, in uh, about a thousand schools. So, a huge program which uh, probably doesn't sort of get the the limelight. Uh, we run a whole range of other programs, uh, you know, targeted at different groups as well. So we have a First Nations program that uh, we deliver programs like Athletics for the Outback in regional and re remote communities, uh, working with First Nations uh, communities. Uh, Raise the Bar, which is another program that we run in partnership with universities, which is aimed at getting more kids, uh, Aboriginal kids and Torres Strait Islander kids into tertiary education. And that program is uh, uh, partnered uh, with Rio Tinto and they they do a great job as well. And so that's really, uh, you know, uh, just a handful of the programs. But uh, yeah, there's some really exciting things in the the pipeline, I think, for athletics. And obviously, you know, the profile is there and it's building. But uh, my, my aim, I guess, is uh, in the area that I work in is to really get more people involved in athletics. And that's part of the message around Kids Athletics Day is to to get out there and get moving. Uh, athletics is one of those universal sports where yeah, uh, definitely can really get involved. So, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that, Adam. I mean, if you look at all the sports that, you know, that you know, we watch on TV or take place, you cannot deny that athletics is, is really the, the foundation of most sports. And I think it's important for these days to exist. I think it's important for our sporting culture in Australia. And I think that's something you're working very hard on with kids, with Wheat Picks Active Bands, with, like you said, the Raise the Bar. Even our summer series, the high-performance competitions, the importance of what Puma and Chemist Warehouse support is great for younger kids to see that tent pole, that lighthouse, and what they can become from high performance all the way down to the grassroots programs that you're creating. Absolutely. And it's all about the connection between those things. And you mentioned the domestic uh, summer season, uh, and that was uh, a real success this year and a, a lot more uh, eyeballs on, on the sport uh, domestically. Uh, and that only helps create awareness around athletics. And uh, we can utilise that to... Uh, I guess, raise awareness, but also then drive participation through that, through existing programs, uh, but also ones that we want to create as well. And there's there's definitely more opportunities, particularly in the kids' space, to to get more people involved. And I guess, you know, athletics is going in a really positive direction. We just saw the release of the uh, Sports Commission's Ausplay data this week. And uh, when we combine running and yeah. athletics uh, into that, 3.7 million Australians are involved. And uh, that's the highest I've ever seen it. So we really got some momentum building here and it's just about getting people uh, more active uh, and hopefully they choose athletics. But as you say, athletics is that foundational sport uh, and it can take you anywhere, uh, you know, whether that's uh, later in life walking around the block or, um, you know, hopefully doing athletics. But uh, if you go into footy, cricket, other sports, uh, we really provide Definitely. Skills. I was just going to say, I actually asked Johnny Steph this at the start of the show, so I'll ask you this now, Adam. You've, you've been around athletics for for a long time, and and I, as a as a hardcore athletics fan, it was ex really excited. Of course, you know, world championships. We're about to see the Diamond League kick off. We've got the Olympics in twenty twenty four, and I feel that the the crop of athletes that this country has. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, so that's why I'm asking you. The fact is that I'm more excited about the damage these athletes can do on the world stage, and maybe I have for the last 20, 25, 30 years. Do you get that feeling, the excitement that this is a special group or it's actually a group that we're continuing to build and, and reap the benefits of all the hard work of many? Well, I think it's it's probably all of those things. There's obviously some fantastic athletes at the moment, uh, ones that could step on the you know the global stage uh, any day of the week and uh, really, really give it a shake. And I, I think that's the really exciting thing. And we you know, probably haven't seen... 
uh, the number of athletes uh, in the team at the moment, being able to do that on, on any given day. So I think the prospects for uh, our team going forward on the global stage are, are really exciting. Uh, obviously, we've seen, uh, we saw some really great stuff uh, throughout the Commonwealth Games and, and obviously Tokyo as well. And uh, World Champs coming up in Budapest later this year and then on to uh, Paris Olympics and Paralympics in 24. So it's it's a really exciting time and I, I think we're going to see some fantastic performances going forward. I, I get to do this show with a man who dominated a home Commonwealth Games back in 2006 and, and Gold Coast in 2018 was un, unreal and, you know, the Aussie athletes did an incredible job. And we've got another home Commonwealth Games in 2026. It does tweak a little bit to the, the the normal format with it being so spread out over different parts of Victoria in particular. But do, do are you using that when it comes to marketing and conversations you're having? Clearly at Athletics Australia, but to try and entice kids to get involved and see how great the sport is, knowing that in only three years' time, we're going to see some of the best athletes in our backyard. Absolutely. And, and those sort of events, having them uh, at home are really important for the profile of the sport. And, uh, you know, it's our job to try and uh, leverage that through whole parts of the Athletics Australia business and through to our member associations in each state and territory as well. Obviously, we've got 26 and then uh, there's the runway into 2032. So, you know, the next uh, nine years is, is really exciting for athletics and we really need to to make sure that we harness that opportunity, which is really a a once-in-a-generation opportunity. It's a great message. It's a great idea, and hopefully it translates to uh, more kids getting involved in the great sport of track and field. Adam Bishop, the GM of Growth and Development Athletics Australia. Very quick break, yes. plenty more. All well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse next on the House of Ats. Well, Jessica Hull, she is a superstar, of course. Uh, dominant, dominant when it comes to the Australian middle distance ranks, and we are deep. We are very deep, and she is right mm-hmm. now the head of the middle distance women's ranks here in this country, and she joins us now. Jess, hello to you. Hello, thank you for having me tonight. Five years, Johnny Stess been waiting. Have you been dodging him for five years or has he just not reached out via the appropriate channels? We just never had an opportunity, Cam. We never had an opportunity, but I knew my day was going to come and today is the day. Yeah, today's the day. I guess I've judged him trackside for five years now, but um, I, I'll give it to him. I don't spend, I didn't spend as much time in Australia up until this year, so um, it's been probably hard to nail me down. We, we might start. So let's there. talk about. Yeah, mm. exactly. You go, Cam. I was Sorry, just going to say, let's start there because you—it's been a weird sort of last two or three years. But it's not always easy to spend a great amount of time in your home country when you've got so much going on. But you, you spent a bit more time here. The the meet at Melbourne was huge. Of course, you had some other things like the stall gift on it. It must be you know excitingly refreshing to be able to do that in your uh, in your home country. Oh yeah, it's been awesome. I think. Um... The Australian season was pretty revamped this year. And um, I think, I mean, I wasn't racing when John John was racing, but like from what I remember as a kid, kind of watching him at Sydney Track Classic um, and then on the TV at Melbourne and stuff like that, I, I think we're starting to get back to those days. And um, it's it's really, really cool to see athletics in Australia like that. I think performances uh, like you have been achieving, Jess, over the years, uh, I think allows the sport to grow domestically, number one. But I think what I really want to, uh, ask you and get into is you had such a great career with the Ducks and those that don't know college and NC2A running that's Oregon University and that's it's really I believe it's the home of athletics when, you, when you're talking about track and field we saw world championships last year take place there um, how much did that prepare you to become the pro athlete you are today because your transition has been seamless I mean you've gone from from 
you know, I'd like to say dominating at NC two ways, even though you think it was a bit, they, they said it was a surprise you win the 1500 meters, but you've really taken it on. And really, when you, when I see you at world, you have this belief in your eyes when you compete against the best that you belong there. Walk us through that journey. Yeah, I think um, at the time the NCAA is, was perfect for me. It was the right transition from juniors to seniors. And um, it just sort of taught me how to race. And I think that's what I, that confidence that you see when I go to a championship is, is I kind of am prepared for it to be tactical and I know where to position myself. And um, I've learned kind of how to evolve my training style over the years. So when I go to the line of a championship, I'm pretty confident and um, just go out there to to execute. And I know that if I, if I put the race together, it's going to go well. Um, so definitely NCAA was a pivotal to that, like from teaching me how to race in all styles of 1500 meter running, because you get everything. Um, and also kind of teaching me the different ways to train and prepare for any style of race. Well, the, the great Nick Bedos, uh, I think is, is one of our, one of our, you know, great distant coaches in Australia. I, I remember sitting one day next to him watching you race. And he said, the one thing about Jess, she always knows where to put herself at the right time in races. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that as a, as a track lover and, me understand the sport that's something you do very well um do you do you think is this something you're working on when you go to Doha last week or I think it was last week or a week week and a half ago mm-hmm. is that something you're working on tactically okay hey how do I mix it with the international athletes so by the time world champs comes I got my game plan ready yeah definitely I think um I'm always kind of learning from my competitors if I'm not in the race I'm watching it and trying to figure out what their patterns are and then um yeah just each race at the moment Doha especially it was the first chance to go against the international women this year and um just wanted to take a few risks and um over the next few weeks I've got a few more races where I'll probably do similar things um and just take take a few risks put myself way up in it and um kind of figure out what name some of those risks Jess tell us what are they (laughs) Let us see inside what's going on. Yeah. I mean, when um when you're training pretty hard and you, you can kind of see the different pieces of your race plan coming together in training, um, I think I've got to start to be not afraid to try and maybe take a race on kind of thing. Like I I the last hundred and fifty is probably not my strength, but um if I can take it from deeper or take if there's a breakaway and I'm in a different pack, if I can take that pack from a little bit deeper, maybe I have a chance of of finishing pretty high in some of these diamond leagues. So I think sort of just taking, taking some risks there with that. And yeah. <laughs> before, sorry, Jess, I'm very excited. As you can see, before I let Cam lose, you say your last hundred is not strong, but all summer season, I've seen you hold up Abby Caldwell all summer season. So when you say you, you mean internationally, when you get to the world championships, you feel there's still another four or 5% you need to win a medal. Is that when you say your last hundred isn't strong enough? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the domestic season was pretty cool. It's always, it's fun to win, but I think what I was starting to see in the Australian season, which was more exciting, was I am getting that gear over the closing stages. Um, so it is kind of when you take it to the next level and you go to Doha against the best we've ever had, Faith Kipiego, and really she has everything but the world record, and I assume that's going to go in the next few weeks. Um, you kind of do realise that you're still a little bit exposed when it comes to the closing stages. So, I mean, it was good to sort of see some improvement domestically, but I've got a little bit to go internationally. But in saying that, if I can counteract that, um, making it a bit further of a run from home, um, it might be something that does work in my favour. You mentioned, of course, the Australian domestic season and, and things you can take out of it because the depth is, as I alluded to, and, and Johnny and I speak about a lot, with the middle distance ranks and the women's middle distance ranks right now is, is creme de la creme. It's elite when it comes to major finals 
around the world. We're talking Olympics and World Championships. Do do you, and you, you talk about in that situation about studying and, and, and discussing st- uh, tactics and all the rest of it. It's an individual sport, but when you've got Australians there with you do, do you, do you swap notes? Do you discuss it much with the, with the other Australian girls or is it solely you're about yourself rather than worrying about what they're doing? Yeah, I think it depends on the situation and um, if everyone's kind of in really good shape at the same time. Um, I did discuss a little bit with Lyndon last year before the Commonwealth Games final. Um, I knew I probably wasn't working with much that day coming off COVID. So I was like, how can we kind of maybe set this up a little bit? Um, but it just, wow. when you're out there and there's, but when you're out there and there's 15 other women wanting the same thing, it didn't quite execute the same way. Um, you, yeah, it's it's good in theory, but it's not necessarily easy to practice, um, especially with the 1500, just tactically and positioning wise, it can be so tough. Um, so I'm not sure going forward, I think like by the time you kind of get to a championship and the championship final, I think everyone's pretty much clear on what they need to do for their best race. Um, but I think too, having such a good competition in Australia means that we can race high quality in Australia that prepares us better for when we come overseas. You mentioned uh, that that Commonwealth Games final coming off the back of COVID. You received or or tested positive to COVID at the, at the world championships and you still ran extremely well in the, in the 1500 meter final. What, what was it like? Everyone had to deal with COVID at at different times, be it an athlete or someone just going through everyday life, but to, 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 to get it and test positive at such a crucial time in a major championships where you still ran really well. What was your mindset on the back of it? Uh, I mean, I didn't want to let the Commonwealth Games go. I was kind of, if in hindsight, maybe I should have, but I was like, okay, I'll be fine. It's, I've got two weeks. I just got to bounce back. Um, but yeah, it just kind of fried me mentally, physically um, to try and push for such a quick return. I probably should have just accepted where I was at and um, maybe had a, a longer season towards the Diamond Leagues. But by the time I kind of came off Commonwealth Games and um, early August, I was pretty cooked and my racing <laughs> reflected it um, over the back half of August. So Jess, what does a year look like for you? Um, do you spend most of your time in Australia? I, I understand you're competing in, you know, the international season now from April onwards. But what does your year look like for you now that you're not um, in college in Oregon? Do you still spend a lot of time out there in the States? Yeah, so up until this year, I spent most of my time still in the States, but I just decided um, in April to move my training base back to Australia. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be spending a bit more time in Australia. Obviously, we spend the middle part of, middle part of the year over here um, racing in the international season. But when I'm building my base and um, focused on the early part of the year from now, I'm going to be in Australia. So I'm really looking forward to, I mean, I was there, I did it this year. I was there from September to April and I think it went really well. And just um, the warm weather at that time of year makes a big difference and being close to family makes a big difference too. So um, yeah, it's it's good to feel like I'm heading over to the international season with a really solid block of work behind me. And that's a credit to Australian summer. Now, traditionally, we have a rule on this show, Jester, we're not allowed to talk about the stall gift because the one time Johnny Steph went there, it didn't go all that well. But I'm going to break that rule. How did you enjoy it, the stall gift, of course, being a part of that that famous running festival over the long weekend in Victoria? Oh, I loved it. It was it was awesome. It's something so different to track racing. And um, the idea of like the handicap was, yeah, you just didn't really know what to expect. Um, I feel like I normally have a pretty clear idea in my head of how to put a race together. But that one, I was kind of like, well, I guess we just get to 800 and see if you're still there or if you are there. And then um, so that was a bit different, but it was a lot of fun. I think they did a great job putting such a good field together. And I, I, all of us kind of approached it the same way was 
nationals was so intense the weekend before so to kind of go down there and and enjoy it and um, then see Claudia run away with it was pretty cool because she's a rising superstar that we have. That note, we will let Jess go because she's got a great deal on. We, we, we love seeing you in, a, in Australia for a longer time, as you spoke about earlier, and look forward to that becoming the norm. And we look forward to watching Definitely. you go towards the world and then, of course, to Paris in 2024, where there is no doubt Johnny, Steph, and I will be there on some type of gravy train to watch the best athletes, which includes you, do your thing. So we can't wait for that. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Jess Hull. Kat, hello. Welcome to House of Ats. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Normally the first question is, whereabouts in the world do we find you, of course, as we get into this European summer and embark what's going to be a big three or four months. Whereabouts are you right now? I'm currently in Malaga in Spain, so the southern um, southern beach of Spain and um, southern coast. And so I'm here because I'm just getting over my jet lag before I head down to Morocco um, for my first race in Rabat. Just on jet lag, how do you go with it? Is it something that just pops up every now and then? Do you have a bit of an idea when you go to certain parts of the world or travelling from certain areas that you're going to have to deal with it? Because you do travel a lot. How does jet lag affect you and, and also minimise the way you train about it for the day or two you, you get into a new place? I think I've certainly gotten better at dealing with it over time. I'm sure John can relate to this. Like I'm pretty sure I made some terrible mistakes the first couple of trips over to Europe um yeah it's a combination of uh, just, I just I realized I got to take it easy I think I went too hard the first few times and didn't eat enough didn't didn't sleep properly enough and um so now it's I think a lot of it is just prioritizing recovery um coming over to Europe yeah I think you know the one main thing, and great to actually great to see you again, Katrina. We were talking off off air about the last time we caught up, but a lot to chat through at the show today with you. But I think the main reason we are doing the show, Katrina, and 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 proudly supported by Chemist Warehouse, is mainly to educate the general sporting public on what it takes to be an elite athlete. I think people just see you run on the track and think it's as easy as a gun goes off. You do two laps, you run as quick as you can, and that's it. So it's great to understand sort of the mechanics and intricacies, especially when it comes to people go, well, you just fly to Europe and you get on the track and you run the same way you run in Sydney. But a lot of people don't understand the work that goes on behind it. Now, the big question I have for you, which I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, which I'm super impressed with both you and Lyndon, your training partner, is you've just recently changed coaches with Ned Brophy, which I think is just super cool do that's my boy that near bro um (laughs) i love my mans and you guys are now got you've got the quokka track club which is awesome um and you've made the transition so for what i see so smoothly um walk us through how you were able to do that and 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 now your australian record i mean 158 we'll talk about your time which i think is is a whole another segment in itself but walk us through the training and the coaching transition both knowing yourself but also linda made yeah, well, so I've been with Ned now for a bit over 18 months. Um, and yeah, I so I transitioned uh, just after Tokyo Olympics. Um, and I it's been interesting reflecting on the change and where I was at and, and why I needed a change. I, I feel like COVID has affected athletes in all kinds of different ways. And I had my breakout season in 2019. Um, but then had to put everything on pause in 2020. So it really felt like um, I'd had this big 
big jump and then I kind of had to and I had to make this huge change particularly in sort of my identity because I was very much not thinking of myself as an athlete I was thinking of myself as an architecture student um, and then going back into 2020 going back into lockdown I had to sort of go backwards and go back into my architecture student um, identity and then coming out in 2021 I am um, I just felt like, no, I need to make a really conscious decision here to switch to a much more professional setup because what I want to do now is be a professional athlete for, you know, the next five, 10 years kind of thing. Um, so that's why I made the decision to join Linden and Ned, which was in my eyes and has been a very much professional and structured setup. Um, in terms of training and things, it's, yeah, it's, it took me a while to get used to the, the new training. And I think it's took, it taken a while for Ned to get to know me as well. What was so the main thing, like that's Katrina? Cool. What was the main thing you had yeah. to adjust? Um, I think I think it was – that's a really that's a really good question. The main thing I had to adjust, I think the, everything was different. So the – the way that we set up training, like we we track everything on training peaks, so it's, everything's online. So yeah, so one of the biggest differences is that Ned is in, based in Sydney and Linda and I are based in Melbourne. So we are coached 100% remotely, wow. except for when we had camps where we, you know, um, yeah. visit each other in our cities or when we're overseas and then Ned comes over and joins us before the world champs and that sort of thing. Um, so everything's online. Um, and so I think it was a very particular time of my life where I was like, um, I have Lyndon here and we're much more organized so we can follow a plan very well remotely. Um, and of course, I have all my other support team, which aren't talked about, who are just as important as Ned. <laughs> so like uh, like my strength coach, Corey, Corey Innes, and, um, and so they are sort of eyes on the ground and, and we have a very strong uh, like support team and we have a really great communication. So Ned sends out like a... Um, weekly email where we just wrap up training from the week before and talk about the week to come and yeah it's just run as a real like professional team <laughs> so everyone's on the same page and it sounds funny to sort of talk about uh, you would expect you know a, a you know professional sporting team to operate like this but mm. I think you probably know in athletics it's it's bit of a mixed bag yeah, <laughs> like definitely. because it, it is all these little individual groups and everyone has their own particular way of operating um so yeah so it was, it was definitely getting used to that coaching style instead of having my coach there every every training session um and yeah and, and it was a lot more prescribed so it was a lot more care in uh, in the details and in the analysis of training that sort of thing because Ned's background is as a physiologist um, so he has a real strong sense of the science and um, and all that kind of thing. But I think reflecting like the biggest thing that positively that I've really come away from is our ability to like interpret a training session or a race, pick out the good bits and be like, yeah, I like we nailed this right. We nailed this. This didn't work. For example, like we look at a race last year where I had a couple of races where I just couldn't get into a good position in the first 200 metres. And we were like, okay, we really need to work on that. And we had maybe a week between the next session. And so it would be like, all right, this next session, we're just working on my start and getting into position. So we would do repeat 200s, just getting me able to cut in well into the back straight. And then and then the next race, I run my season's best, you know, for the next yeah. one because I'm <laughs> able to just... um 
yeah, reflect on the previous previous race and directly apply it to the next one. So I think that sort of like more analytical approach has been the biggest shift. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and, and I think it's it's continuously adapting is what is what um is so good about it in, in that same way. So I feel like the training I'm doing now is is quite different to the training I was doing this time last year as well. Not not hugely different, but different in some key ways. <laughs> structure, yeah. <laughs> because we've we've learned more about each other and we've been able right. to really quickly integrate that into training. And yeah. does that give you more confidence that you can consistently every single race be at your best? Oh, absolutely. It just removes a lot of the guesswork. It removes a lot of this like blind faith kind of thing that you, you you hear about a lot in sport where you're just like you just have to believe and stuff like well you can <laughs> the best way to be able to believe if you've got <laughs> if you've got a lot the training and the evidence and, and the support to back it up you know it's not just like oh let's roll the dice again it's like no like obviously the race you, there's going to be things you can't predict but it's about preparation yeah, yeah. Well, I hope I hope a lot of young kids are listening because I think that's the best advice, Cam. You know, um, <laughs> you know, people talk about belief and positive affirmations, and you gotta you gotta go out there and say you're gonna win. But Kat is 100 correct. Mm. The work you do at training, and it's not it's the work that not that your coach sees, not that your mum sees, and not that what you see. It's 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 the stuff you don't even think you're doing. That that yeah. makes you such a confident individual athlete when you step on that line because that's when the devil becomes really active. When he's on that line, Cam, and the starter says, on your marks, every negative thing comes through your head of, I should have done more abs, I should have done this, maybe I'm going to get and, and it creeps into your race, Cam, and then you find yourself halfway through the race in a bad position, like like Kat said, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, your opportunity is lost. And in athletics... It's about creating these opportunities, Cam, because they don't come often. Mm-hmm. And I think Katrina's done an absolutely wonderful job in that. Katrina, let's talk about the Australian record. 158.09 is, is, for those that don't know track, Cam, you keep talking about let's try and break 55 seconds for a 400. Let's try and break two minutes for an 800, and you'll see how quick it is. Hang I on, before you go any further, that, that's that's Johnny Steph breaking 55 now, Cat. That wasn't something I just made up for an elite athlete. We're trying to have a bet now. I still think he can break 55 now. So just so Cat no, knows so what too. you're talking yeah. about. Hey, both of you are trying to set me up for my downfall. Know your limits, Cat. Know your limits. Oh, no, 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 man. No, but breaking two minutes is, is, is like the four-minute mile barrier, you know, and I, I'd like to think when it comes to women's aid. Um, was that a big goal for you, Kat? And, and you know, you're consistently there now, and that puts you really in every final, every major championships. This has you fighting for medals. Um, This must be great for your confidence coming up, leading into Budapest and also coming to Paris in next year. Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing is, I like you say, like I am consistently running sub two these days. Like I think in the past I would, you know, you'd have a couple of sub two races mm. a season. You might build up to one and, you know, you'd be really pleased. But I think, yeah, so so far this year, my last four races have been sub two. My last one being my second fastest ever. Mm-hmm. And it's just those averages. Like my averages are getting lower and lower and that's just the really exciting place. Like, because then your worst day becomes – yeah, <laughs> you know, a day that you would really love a couple of years ago. <laughs> Everyone else's and, good day and, is your worst day. Yeah, yeah, and, and so when those averages get lower, or yeah, I don't know, lower or high. When those times get lower, like 
yeah, you can be more excited about when everything goes perfectly and you're like, yeah. it can be really magical, but um, yeah, just being, but then being, but, but then knowing if you're having a, a really bad day, you can, you can still make it through the heat or get through the race or the training session. And have, yeah. <laughs> have you found this particular time? It's such a interesting time, of course, with COVID pushing things back, the Olympics being later. And then last year with two majors, of course, a world championship and a com game. So close to each other, then another world championship this year. And then the Olympics next year, there's not a great deal of downtime anyway, when it comes to some of these major championships, but there's even less in this time span because of, of COVID. How have you personally found it? Not just as an athlete, but yourself when you try to sometimes get away from the sport, but knowing there's always, there's always something looming when it comes to a major championship. I personally love it. I love having majors as many as possible. Mm. I would love to have, you know, two or three a year. I think it makes the sport more fun. I love the team environment, being on the Australian team with everyone and the pre-camp and everything. So I I, I love that part. Um, I think, yeah, it is It is really interesting, like you say, to, to want to mentally check out, but knowing that, you know, in a month or two, you've got to be um, bracing at your best again. Um, so I'm studying architecture. Um, like I said before, I've stretched it out over many years now as my running has um, sort of <laughs> overtaken my my priority list. Um, so I've, I found that a really great way for me to, to switch off um, my running brain and, and focus on these other parts of my my life and my, my personality. Um, and that's been really grounding and helpful. So I think that's the best way. Um, and I think that's, if I could give advice to other athletes or, you know, young, young athletes listening to this is making sure you're nurturing all parts of yourself, um, and, and giving them space and not just putting all your attention into, into athletics. And cause if you're having a bad day, then you've got nothing, <laughs> nothing else to, to, um, to lean on. Yeah. Uh, Kat, thank you. We always uh, love checking in with uh, you superstar Thanks, athletes Kat. right across the uh, the world. And good, good luck for the next three or four months. And no doubt we'll catch up again soon. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure.